Amen. Yes, he is. He's blessing us right now. Right now. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. We thank you. We bless you. Thank you for blessing us right now. And we give you praise. And Father, we thank you and we honor you for the privilege of this opportunity to share your word tonight. God, we yield everything about this teaching unto you. We ask you to take complete authority and charge over the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart. God, that every word that is spoken, the manner in which it is delivered, will reach your people in such a way that when we have completed the teaching on this evening, that none of us will walk away the same as we came. And God, we give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Sister Marlon, for that wonderful prayer. <clears throat> and we greet each and every one of you this evening in the wonderful and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Pastor Thomas Rich of the River of Life Christian Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And <clears throat> we've been uh, teaching for the last two weeks from the theme, Let's Explore the Psalms. Uh, the first two lessons uh, really were background on what the Psalms were, how they were formed, the, the manner in which they are organized and put together, and what all of that represented. We talked about who the writers of the Psalms were. And then as we closed on last week, we began uh, just a brief examination of a psalm that was written by someone who was uh, lived uh, many, many, many generations before David, who wrote 73 of the 150 psalms. And that writer's name was Moses. And we were looking at Psalm 90, where Moses started out by saying, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And I was sharing with you that that psalm uh, was so familiar to people who were of the Jewish background because it, it was connected to Deuteronomy 33:27, which uh, is a part of the books of the law. Moses wrote all five of the books of the law. And um, so when we got down to Psalm 90, we saw such an incredible connection. Psalm 30, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 33, 27 said, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And then he went on and said in verse 27, He thrusts out your enemies before you. It is he who cries, destroy them. Uh, this was a song of Moses' family in Psalm 33, 27. Um, <clears throat> because uh, it, it does have a connection, and we, we're going to look at the very, the very first psalm that we're going to explore. It's not the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth or one of the other more familiar psalms. We're not going into David first, but we're going to start with our exploration of Psalm 90. And as I mentioned before, 
Moses started that psalm by writing, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. We talked about the fact that most Bible scholars consider Psalm 90 to be not only written by Moses, but there are many scholars who will tell you that 91 is a continuation of 90. Uh, there is debate about that, but uh, they say that there are parts of 91 that are familiar and seem very much like Psalm 90. But we're going to focus on 90 tonight. And as I get started, the first word that Moses uh, uses as he opens verse 1 of Psalm 90 is the word Lord. It's very interesting because in Psalm 90, there are three words for God. Uh, the first one is Lord, and it is spelled L, capital L-O-R-D. Then we will see another word, Lord, but that word, all four letters are uppercase letters. It is L-O-R-D and all uppercase letters. And then the third word that we will see for God is the word God. It is spelled uppercase G, then the lowercase O-D. They are all three different words in the Hebrew Bible. Um, and the reason I'm referencing the Hebrew Bible is that Hebrew is the language of the that the Jews spoke when the Psalms were written. And the Jews are the people who were born from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their children. In fact, um, when you're reading an Old Testament, often you might uh, discover multiple places where you hear them as they're praying. And they might refer to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That those are going all the way back to the beginning of that family. When God found Abraham, when he was with his family, and he said, look, I have chosen you and I have a big plan for your life. I want you to leave your family and kinfolk and all of these folk that you're familiar with and go to a place where I will show you. That, that's the Abraham that we're talking about. In fact, when God first introduced himself to him, he was known as Abram. But he later changed his name to Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. And truly, uh, the, the, the family that were born under the Abrahamic tribe is a huge number of people. His son was Isaac. Isaac's son was Jacob. And... Uh, when we speak of them, and then we speak of their children. So in verse 1 and verse 17, I just want you to make a note of this. You can look at it later, but I'm just going to tell you what you will see there, and I'll read it to you in a few moments. But in verse 1 and verse 17, you will see the word Lord. It is the uppercase L and then the lowercase O-R-D. Uh, this word Lord means master or someone with authority, and it translates, and I believe I mentioned this last week, it translates to the Hebrew word Adonai, which we, yes, I, I did mention that last week, and, and when we talk about Adonai, it is the plural of the Hebrew word Adon, or it is spelled A-D-O-N. By the way, Adonai is spelled A-D-O-N-A-I. But it is the plural of the Hebrew word Adon, 
And the word Adon means Lord or Master. It was the first first word used as God's title before it was ever used as God's name. I, I hope you are hearing me. I said it was first used as God's title uh, when we speak of someone as Lord or Master. But as time goes on, even as we explore the Psalms, we will see that it has tr- it will transition from not only being used as a title, but it will also be used as a name of God. So we will see that in verses 1 and 17. Then in verses 13, and also in 17, you will see the word Lord again in up, all uppercase letters. Uppercase L, uppercase O, uppercase R, and uppercase D. That is a different word for Lord uh, when it is spelled in all uppercase letters. Uh, Psalm ninety thirteen said, Return, O Lord, how long? And then he said, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. In Psalm 90 and 17, watch this. It says, and the beauty of the Lord, and and that's the uppercase Lord, and the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands Establish thou it. When you see the word Lord in four capital letters, it translates to the name Yahweh or Jehovah. And when you uh, look at Yahweh and Jehovah in the Hebrew, they both translate to the I am. You may remember when God called Moses and told him that he had an assignment for him. And Moses gave all of those excuses of why he did not think God had made the correct choice. And uh, uh, then finally, God convinced him and said, look, you don't even have to worry about uh, all of your speaking. I got your brother Aaron who will do some of the speaking for you. But Moses then said, well, who shall I tell them sent me? And God told Moses, tell them that I am, that I am sent you. That is Yahweh, Jehovah, I am. That that is uh, uh, Psalm 90, verse 13 and verse 17. You will see that uppercase Lord, the entire word spelled in uppercases, representing Yahweh. And so this is Psalm 1. And it tells us that God is always, I'm sorry, Psalm 90, verse 1. And it tells us that God is always alive. He is eternal. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. Now, moving on to Psalm 90 and verse 2. I want you to listen to the eloquence of the language that Moses uses And as you hear the eloquence of them, I want you, if you can, to try to visualize in your mind, or in your mind's eye, what Moses must have been seeing and contemplating or considering as he was writing what we call verse 2 of Psalm 90. He said, before the mountains were brought forth, 
or ever thou had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That's the, there's that Hebrew word, God, that I referenced earlier. Uppercase G, lowercase O, and lowercase D. And as seen in verse 2 and, and in verse 17, where we see this word God, it translates to the word, and we talked about this last week, Elohim, which is a plural word that means the powerful rulers that have authority. So Moses in Psalm 90 and 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Who is he? The powerful rulers that have authority. So in the opening verse, one, we saw the word Lord uh, with one capital letter there. And the writer then goes on and gives character and value to this same word Lord by dis disclosing who he is to them. Who is he to them? Moses said, you are our dwelling place in all generations. They said, in fact, he said, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And he said that because he understood that Yahweh's help to his people did not begin with their exodus out of Egypt. But he was really saying that from their pilgrim beginnings under their patriarch Abraham, right up to the days of Moses, God had been their dwelling place, their refuge, and their protection. Uh, let me say that again. Uh, he wasn't just talking about it beginning at the Exodus, but he's talking about him, them being God being their dwelling place from the moment that God called Abraham out and told him that he would make him the father of many nations. From that moment, all the way through the 40 and two generations down to Moses, God had been their dwelling place, their refuge and their protection. And <clears throat> uh, let me draw a picture here for you. Uh, we're living in a, a time when uh, we're hearing in the media that there are many people who are homeless. Some of us know people who are struggling to maintain uh, housing and need homeless. But it, it, it's not a, 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 a nice thing to refer to anyone as homeless. It's not a good thing, spiritually speaking. And, and that never needs to be the condition of a believer because we have him as our home and as our dwelling place in him. And so home should be a place where we rest, where we can be ourselves, where there is an intimate, special kind of love and even joy and happiness should be able to dominate when we are home. And guess what? When Moses said that God has been our dwelling place, uh, for those of us who have lived close to the Lord, we know that we can find rest in him. We know that we find love in him. And we know that we have peace, joy, and happiness 
in his presence. So no wonder Moses said, God, you have been our dwelling. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. He was talking about from the moment that he decided that he was going to make this not, not this group of people his own people. And of course, you know that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been engrafted into that family. When I talk about being engrafted, um, many of you probably are familiar with uh, the, the picture of a skin graft. Uh, sometimes you, I, I remember I had a, a family member and I also had a couple of friends who were burned badly and um, they, the burns left some really, really severe scars and marks on their body and open wounds on their body. And the doctors would have to, uh, would, would uh, cut out skin from a healthy, unwounded part of the body. And then they knew how to treat that area where they cut it out so that healthy skin would grow back there. But they would take that healthy skin that they just cut out and they would do what was called a grafting, putting it over the area that was so terribly scarred and marked. And they call that grafting, uh, taking it from one place and putting it to another. Well, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been engrafted into that same family, y'all. We are a part of that family because by the blood of God's son, Jesus Christ, because we have claimed him and, and yielded our lives to him to be Lord and Savior of our lives, we have been, become a part of that family. So all of this is intended to mark our relationship with God. We're engrafted in. What are we engrafted into? In, in this eternal one, who provides safe, a safe abode for the success of every generation of men. Uh, and the, the, the Jews uh, talk about every generation of men. They say, God of our, of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Lord knows we are many, 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 many generations beyond them. But we're still a part of the successive generations of men through the blood of and, and through the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's continue on. In God himself, we're only uh, a, a yesterday kind of God for Moses. Uh, if he were a, a yesterday kind of God for Moses and for our ancestors, then he would be a totally inadequate refuge for you and me. So Somebody might say he's a right now God. He's an on time God because he isn't just a God of yesterday, but he's a God through eternity, even our present time and well beyond the time when we might even be, when there might not be anybody left on earth that would have known anything about you. He's still God, everlasting to everlasting. So he would be a totally inadequate refuge for you and me if it were not for the fact that he was eternal God. 
I don't know about y'all, but when I think about that, when I get the realization that we're talking about the same God that was God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same God that Moses was referencing in Psalm 90, uh, uh, 90 verse 1 and 2, uh, it makes me want to shout hallelujah because uh, I'm connected to the eternal God who not only took care of them in their generations, but is right now God taking care of us right now in this generation. And I don't know about y'all, but often when I'm praying, uh, when I'm praying for my family, I, I typically pray through seven generations. Uh, I, I don't. I, I could easily pray on and on and on, but I can hardly comprehend in my mind more than seven generations beyond me. When we start talking about great and great and great, 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 and all of that, uh, if you start looking at your family tree and you start going uh, grand and great and great, great, and all of that, sometimes that stuff gets a little confusing. But when we know that no matter how many generations before or how many generations beyond us, he is still God. And Moses said that he was their hiding place in all generations. In other words, if he could or would change and see and cease to be God, it would cease to be possible for him to be a dwelling place for all of his people. But because he cannot stop being God, would not stop being God, he is the one that dwells and cannot be unhoused. You can't be taken away the once you have named Christ as Lord of your life. You have a dwelling place. You have a hiding place. So even though Moses was calling him our dwelling place, and you might want to think that he was only talking about the Jewish uh, tribe, but he was talking about every one of us as believers, because God is stronger than anyone and anything. Neither can anyone take someone else out of his hands. So you are his, uh, and you cannot be plucked out of his hand. In fact, John ten twenty nine said it this way. He said, my father, who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all else. And no one, and let me say that again, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Man, is that exciting. Because you, because I, because we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been given to the Father who is greater and mightier than anyone in the universe. And no one is able to snatch you or me out of the Father's hands because we have been united with him through his son, Jesus Christ. I hope you all caught that. That's powerful. That's exciting to me. And I pray that it is exciting to you. Let's go on. Since, since God is the only one in the entire universe, who has this kind of power, it is really best for us to seek our supply of every want and every need in God and in God alone. Hey, look, thank God for your job, but understand the world can give it to you and the world can take it away. 
but what God can provide for you can't. No, the world can't give it to you, and the world cannot take it away. You've got eternal security through this one that the Lord was speaking of in John 10, 29. He said that, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So let's continue in Psalm 90 and 1. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> again, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. I hope you caught that. Now, let's go on to verse 22, verse 2 of Psalm 90. Um, it says, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Listen to that. Before the mountains were brought forth. Listen, when, when <clears throat> Moses and the uh, Israelites were on that slow journey uh, on their route to Canaan in the wilderness, Moses got a, a glimpse, a view of mountains on the horizon. And imagine, if you would, that uh, he began to reflect on the truth that God existed before those mountains were ever thought of. Before they existed, there was God. It was God who formed the earth, and it was God who formed the world. And Moses, while they were wandering in that wilderness, when he saw the mountains, that incredible thought came, had to come upon his mind. Look, uh, as awesome as you are, mountains, as aged as you are, mountains, you are not as old as God, for he was God from before, and he is God even when there is no end. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before anything existed, God was. From eternity past to eternity future. And that's what everlasting to everlasting means. It means he exists independent of all of his creation. So uh, this is, in my opinion, the highest description of the eternity of God that, that any human language would be able to describe. That is, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. I think I just hit 8.30, so I, I guess I've got to stop there. We'll pick up in verse 2 next week. And I believe because I don't have to do as much background now, we'll be able to get much further into Psalm 90. But I pray that this has blessed you as you looked at verse 1 and we introduced verse 2 to you, that you see who God is, that you see how Moses saw God. And the goal is to expand our uh, view of God, our understanding of God, to recognize that he is greater than our human minds can comprehend. But even with the language that we have, we do the best we can to describe him. But even that is inadequate because he is from everlasting to everlasting. May God bless you. Heaven smile on each of you and give you peace. We're going to cut it off right there. You may take your phones off of mute and let's have a conversation about 
what we have learned about Psalm 90 and even a little background we went through before we hit Psalm 90 today.